Hello, and welcome to Into the Disneyverse, where our historians Jess and Tandy explore the world of Disney, including rides, resorts, restaurants, and so much more. On today's episode, we do a deep dive into one of Disney's original attractions that still resides in most of the parks today. It's a small world. Hey, Tandy. You know that scene in Dumb and Dumber when Jim Carrey asks what the most annoying sound in the world is? Oh, my God. I think he was wrong. <laughs> he was, because... I think it's the theme song. It's a small world. To the attraction we're going to talk it's about exactly today. exactly what it is. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. So, you know, we talked in the last two episodes about our favorite rides. So we did. in this episode, we're going to talk about our least favorite ride. Well, at least one, one of, of our the least, least favorite, favorite rides. rides. And that is It's a Small World. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. In preparation for this episode, I think we both watched Behind the Attraction, which is a great show. Yeah, everyone Highly watch recommend it. Disney+. Plus. The thing about this episode that I love the most was at the beginning of it, the host says, <laughs> uh, it might be weeks, it might be years, but you'll never unhear It's a Small World. It's an accurate statement and everyone should be grateful that we're not going to pay for the rights to the song to play it here and you're welcome yeah okay so opening day for magic kingdom disneyland you know was already open but yeah basically they didn't they didn't have as many attractions it was more of like a it's like a walkthrough yeah. museum and they like that right they love their walkthrough <laughs> museums hall of presidents um, but Tandy also loathes Hall. Yeah, that's that's on the list too. Uh, so I mean, so thanks to the World's Fair, right? That's what we're saying is, yeah. you know, in the 1960s, World's Fair came to be, and you know, there we there we have it, our favorite torture of all time. It's a small world. Uh, so I guess some just some history, right? So once upon a time, Disney needed data. Its presence at the 1964 World's Fair was actually a pilot to test rides to make I, sure that they would have... I would also say they needed money. Right. Well, because some of it was to get the sponsors to pay for them to develop right, the rides. Right, right. Yeah. They, they needed money, too. That, that was part of it. Um, but they also wanted to make sure that the rides were appealing for people who were going to Disneyland, sure. but also who were living in the eastern states, because we are talking about the New York World's Fair. And they were planning on building something big on the eastern half of the country, right? Right. Disney World. So it's yep. AKA Disney World Research. Disney was already hard at work on attractions for the state of Illinois, the Ford Motor Company, General Electric. Moments with Mr. Lincoln. Exactly. And then Pepsi decided to get into the ring. Good old Pepsi. So this is all Joan Crawford's fault. Yep. So Disney was stretched thin. They had three attractions they were already developing, as you mentioned. And, and so Pepsi-Cola's executives called an executive at Disney to develop the ride, and he said no. He said, no, we can't do it. We already have three other exhibits we're working on. So Joan Crawford bumps into Walt Disney. At a party. At a party, and says, you know, it's a shame that you couldn't, you couldn't do our ride for us. And he, and he has no idea what she's yeah. talking about. Disney he, was like, what? I don't say no to anybody. Yeah, what? The executives didn't tell Disney that Pepsi had called. And he came back and said, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and also, too, a little bit Robert Moses' fault, right? Yeah. So let's go true. back a little further. Why, why would Disney, or the World's Fair, for that matter, be interested in each other, right? Yeah. And so that all has to do with a man named Robert Moses. He was a politician in New York. Uh, he was also an urban planner. And he basically led the charge for developing the New York World's Fair, which was supposed to host innovative designs and concepts from around the world, all these international countries. 
Uh, and he had a theme of peace through understanding dedicated to man's achievement on a shrinking globe in an expanding universe. But the only problem was Robert Moses, uh, he didn't understand the rules. So due to international rules on World's Fair, Robert couldn't hold a World's Fair and gain approval by the Bureau of International Expositions, BIE, which at the time put their stamp on approval for any international event, basically. Like if, if they put a stamp, 40 countries were going to show up automatically. Yep. Yep. And they had just had the World's Fair in Seattle in 1962. And one of the rules was a World's Fair cannot be held in that country except every 10 years. So Robert <laughs> Moses took one look at that rule and went, nope. I think Robert Moses took a look at every rule and at every, said no. And said no, exactly. And so without this endorsement, Robert was basically up a river without a paddle. No international endorsement meant no international vendors. And so he turned to private industry within the United States, where companies like Ford and GE were dying to show off their endeavors. But they needed someone with a gift for magic to bring their visions to life. So Disney got involved. Yep. And Disney needed money too. So Yeah, it was, this was a win-win for, for everyone involved. Because they're trying to figure out how do we develop these rides? How do we... I mean, honestly, it was both data, but they're also at the time trying to figure out how do we increase capacity mm -hmm. on rides. Yep. And they kind of had figured that out a little bit with Matterhorn mm -hmm. at that point. So that's that that was some of the driver to why Disney did it. Yep. And so, you know, back to the point, Joan Crawford came in a little bit late. I think it was like 11 months until Ten debut. months. They had 10 months to build this ride. <laughs> and so Disney brought in all of his Imagineers, including those working on other park projects, names you're familiar with, as Jess said, uh, Raleigh Crump, Mark Davis, the Sherman Brothers. He brought in Mary Blair, who was a renowned children's book author, illustrator, to design the characters. And then over the next half a year, they brought Disney's rides to life against all odds. Yeah, and one a couple notes on Mary Blair. You, you can tell a Mary Blair illustration... That she's one of those that that she's just got a very unique style. She came out of retirement to work on this on this ride. She developed helped develop Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland. Also, there were several women brought in on this ride. Mm -hmm. So the costuming was done by Alice Davis, Mark Davis's wife. Yep, H Harriet Burns, who was the first female Imagineer. She worked on both Pirates. Haunted Mansion and a lot of people who worked on this worked on Enchanted Tiki Room as well, and then Joyce Car Carlson. So there were a lot of women who spearheaded this project. Yeah, and they brought in, I mean, everybody. Every oh, they pulled everybody yep. off of everything what to I, work on this. What I thought was funny is, you know, when we had our, our Haunted Mansion episode, we talked about how Haunted Mansion kind of sat dormant for a while while everybody was working on everybody else's projects. And in the behind the traction, when they talked about yeah. specifically about Haunted Mansion, they pulled <laughs> everyone off that. I thought that was funny. Yeah, they listed all the Imagineers and I was like, well, this is why it took six years to do yep. it. And, and by the way, I, again, I want to highlight 10 months to develop this ride. It took them six years to do Haunted Mansion. So this was yep. not, this was a tight, tight yep. time. And the ground was broken by JFK for the World's Fair in 1962. Yep. That's how long, if you think about it, from probably even pre-1962 up until 1964, that's how long Disney had been working on everyone else's attractions. And then uh, and 10 to 11 months prior to 1964, met Joan Crawford at that party, <laughs> and everything just went crazy. Well, and the development of the boats is interesting because they even show it. So, so they did this like in a parking lot to figure off out how the they were going to do off the 101 to figure out yep. how they were going to do the boats. Aero Development, who also did the Matterhorn. I don't know how they ended up doing this, but Walt patented the boats even though they didn't develop like the boat ride system, the ride guidance system, even though um, mm -hmm. they didn't build it. 
but th- yeah, this was done like in a parking lot to figure out how they were gonna how they were gonna get the ride vehicles. Yeah, so people would ride across the 101 and just see just see and boats floating. What's so humorous to me is I think a lot of people driving the 101 in the 60s and 70s probably saw a lot of stuff coming and going from Disney. Oh, and I'm so sure. There was probably a lot of interesting stories on the road. Yeah. So and it's a small world was a big hit, right? Oh yeah, huge. So they charged folks 95 cents for adults, 60 cents for children. All the profits went to UNICEF. And thanks to the innovative design of the ride, while other attractions faced long lines, there was always a seat available on It's a Small World, which incidentally continues to today. <laughs> One note real quick on the on the music before we get into the ride itself. So initially, so again, written by the Sherman Brothers of Mary Poppins fame. That's, that's what they're most well known for. They were originally going to have the music be the national theme song of each country. Mm-hmm. And then they get in the ride and it's just a bunch of damn noise. Like, like yep. And there's no way to fade the music in and out. So what they decided is they needed a round. Something mm-hmm. like row, row, row your boat. And thus, the most annoying song in the world was developed. Not Row, Row Your Boat. It's no, a small world. It's a small world, just to, just to be clear. And, and true. So they created this song. It's then sung in the language of the country yes. that each room or scene that you pass in. Correct. And so still the same song, but not, what did they put the words, cacophony of you know, horrible music. Yeah. Interesting things that we found online. I know one was the YouTube with it in minor key. Oh my God. So we'll definitely have to include that link. Hearing it yeah. in minor key is, is very different than hearing it in its major key. Going in the show notes and it's a little bit creepy. Guys. It is very creepy. <laughs> it, and it's in black. The video is in black and white too, as it should be, yes. as it should be. So uh, it also in the pirates episode, I think we talked about this already a little bit about the system it's in. I did explain that the small world, we do have to thank for pirates. And I incorrectly attributed it to the bateau system, but that's the boat, not the system. So oh. the actual system is a flume system. Oh, yeah. You're so right. yeah. I just wanted to make that correction in there. So I also just want to stop here and let people know that all the attractions that were at the World's Fair in 64, 65 are still in existence. You can see them all. We have a list of where you can see them. So if you're decided to go to the parks, then you're like, yeah, yeah. I want to see all these things that were there. So they're, Car- at, they're at various parks. Various parks. Most of them are at Disneyland. Carousel of Progress, I think, is the only one. So Carousel of Progress in cooperation with General Electric. That's one I can't wait to talk about, Carousel of Progress, because <laughs> I have thoughts. Also a great Sherman Brothers song in there. <laughs> oh, that's right. That can be found at Disney World uh, Magic Kingdom in Tomorrowland. The Magic Skyway, in cooperation with the Ford Motor Company, can be found by riding the Disney Railroad at Disneyland. And yep. we'll have to talk about that one specifically because that was one of my favorite things. Is it as because a kid. there's dinosaurs yes. involved? It's yes, because there there's dinosaurs. And you don't expect it either. You know, we talk about memories. That's one of the things that I remember first seeing as a child. You don't expect it. And suddenly yeah. it's a room full of dinosaurs. Yep. There are no Ford Motor Cars on that. Obviously, they've replaced them with the railroad. Great moments with Mr. Lincoln, in cooperation with the state of Illinois, Disneyland. It's basically the founding member of the Hall of Presidents. So even if you can't get to Disneyland to see Mr. Lincoln, you can see the Hall of Presidents. By, by the way, one note on that. If you go to Disney World, Hollywood Studios has an exhibit. Walt presents. Everybody should go in. It's fantastic. They have the original animatronic of President Lincoln in there in a case. So you can actually see the animatronic at Disney World. You just It's not the same exhibit, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then It's a Small World in cooperation with Pepsi is freaking everywhere, apparently. So after the success of the World's Fair, the ride was relocated to Disneyland and was opened in May 1966. 
The ride received much praise and was then opened in Disney World as one of the opening day attractions, as Jess said, on October 1st, 1971. Yeah, and on a couple notes on the move to Disney, they couldn't use the handmade parts that they used in the World's Fair because it wasn't going to be sustainable. It would take them days if an animatronic broke. So they basically had to figure out how to rehab and modify everything for the Disneyland launch, and they figured out a system to manufacture the animatronics. So they didn't outright say this, but it basically reminded me of the assembly line that Ford developed to build cars. Like, that's what it looked like. And then as far as the design of the buildings, they were able to bring the ride, but they could bring the outside of the building. And and after the World's Fair launch, Mary Blair uh, retired again. <laughs> and why, why did she retire again, Jess? Because <laughs> she was done with all these she men. She was done with all these men. <laughs> she was done with Walt. That was another, probably one of my favorites in the behind the attraction <laughs> is Walt. Good. Walt never said no. He just tapped his fingers when he didn't like something. Yeah, so he called her to try to get her to come in to do the, the outside facade. She actually told him no. So Raleigh Crump was put on it. He called her, and I guess they were real good friends, and she did do a sketch for him. So while she didn't design the outside of the building, it's totally Mary Blair influenced looking at it. She did technically, I guess, design the clock because he based it off of a sketch. That was actually really interesting Mm -hmm. on Behind the Attraction. So you can now find the ride at Disneyland, Disney World, Disney Paris, Disney Hong Kong, and Disney Tokyo, as I said, everywhere. This ride has had many refurbishments over the year, mostly to include sponsors, change coatings of paint, and refresh the intro-outro rooms. Uh, One of the changes specifically for me, (laughs) because I grew up on Disneyland, was at the very end of the ride, there were mermaids waving goodbye to you. And I loved mermaids as a child. I went back. didn't love mermaids as a child. Right. I I feel like mermaids were a little bit more scarce when we were children. Like now you have all this industrialization. There's mermaid toys everywhere. I think your daughters come home with a new mermaid toy every week, and I'm always (laughs) amazed by it. But when I went back, I think I went back in sometimes in the 2000s, I think 2000 probably before then. I think we went back in 99, then we mm-hmm. went back in 2000, and then I went back as an adult in 2015. I was so excited. We got on this ride. By then, the ride was very annoying to me because I was an adult. Yeah. Mind you, the ride is a little bit long, and at the end, the mermaids were gone, and I was absolutely distraught. They had removed it in a refurbishment because they wanted the theme to kind of go back to, you know, the peace and understanding. Yep. And then when Disneyland refurbished the ride in 2018 to include characters from the film... Yep. They brushed off those mermaids <laughs> and put them back in with the little mermaids. Mermaids so, are back, guys. Yeah, mermaids so now I gotta back. go back so I can see the little mermaids, which is kind of nice because so it tells gonna you. You're gonna sit through 15 minutes. I'm of gonna this sit through just to see those to mermaids. See the mermaids. Wow. Sure am. Sure am. Wow. What I love about that, though, is Disney never throws anything away. They totally packed up those mermaids and were like, we'll see you again. No, actually, it's interesting. You can see pieces of other rides in, like, rides that have been retired. I think we talked about this on on Mansion. Even though they'll put little nods, like, they put Mr. Toad in the graveyard after. So they don't throw anything away. They repurpose everything. And when you think about it, they really can't because that stuff is super expensive. Oh, yeah. So it's really really better to, to pack it up until you need it again. Absolutely. All right, so we've got to the favorite part of this episode, which is our fun fact. I, I do have to say this one thing because I said the 50 million and I realized you and I talked about it, but we haven't talked about it in this episode yet. So this song has played nearly 50 million times worldwide on the attractions alone. Unbelievable. Beating out You've Lost That Love and Feeling and Yesterday by the Beatles. Yesterday. Yesterday. So I have a disturbing and interesting fact that's that's semi-related to this. This ride never turns off. It doesn't. It runs 24-7. I mean, they shut the lights off. I do think they turn the music they off. Do. But the turn ride the itself is never turned off. And it I read runs that- runs constantly. 
I also read that all their animatronics in Disney are like that. So oh, the I didn't realize that. So the on the side, oh, the gosh. pirates, everybody's oh, still moving and grooving, but it's silent and dark. <laughs> I would not be able to do that. Oh, I, I was like, I would pay to go in of and course, see that. Of course you would. Yeah. Of course you would. So at the grand opening in Disneyland... There were 36 officials from around the world that attended. So, of course, there was pomp and circumstance. 800 international reporters were invited and 16 children from various countries who added water to the ride from seven seas and nine major lagoons. And then Walt added water from the rivers of America. Uh, Jess, can I ask, did he get that approved through the uh, Bureau of (laughs) International Expositions? I'm sure he didn't, So there's an animated series that I shared with Jess. Oh my God, this will go in the show notes. The premise of this is there's a group of friends from across the countries who travel in a magic air balloon that lands in various countries where they teach themselves and the viewers a bit about the places they've landed. It used to be on Disney Plus. It's on Disney applications and then Disney TV, basically Disney.com. I thought this show was... uh, Funny is a word for it. I mean, it was interesting to to learn about the countries. It was interesting. It's very Mary Blair style. Yes. The accents are iffy. They are. I was sitting there wondering. I was like, it's a little little racist, you guys. A little racist. And to be honest, I think that was something I I did not dive into. Maybe you did, Justin. You can share it with us if you did. Some of the stuff we don't talk about when it comes to Disney or should they be doing this? So by the way, this ride has been refurbished a number of times. And it's been refurbished for the same way that there was a major Jungle Cruise refurbishment. Mm. It's refurbished for the same reason that, let's be honest, we all know why they're closing down Splash Mountain. There's a problematic why? history. Why? What could that possibly with, be? With that movie. I'll <laughs> tell you why they're closing down Splash Mountain. That ride's boring. We need some Tiana. So that ride's not going to be boring because you'll be able to sit through 12 minutes of music from Princess and the Frog. And that music I would put up against a lot of Disney movies. The one specific example I have is in Magic Kingdom's version. At the end, there was a clown with a frown and sign stating help. Oh my God. So yes. that, that falls into one of my fun favorite facts. He was facts. changed into, in, into carrying a balloon and smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so that falls into one of my favorite facts was there's a myth that the dolls are all children who have fallen off the boat. <laughs> and then add it to the collection. <laughs> One in four Disney guests consider this a tradition to ride when they go and, and feel like it's a must-do ride. Yep, that's my mom. While I certainly sympathize, and I have a nostalgia to this because, look, we wrote it. We wrote it every time. Now, we wrote it every time because we, we went to Disney World in July, and it was hot as hell, and my parents wanted 12 minutes of AC to, yeah. to sit down. Like, that's... That's the reality. And so as a parent, I understand the want to go on this ride. Because if you really, really just desperately need to get in the AC, but go ride pirates. Like, (laughs) yeah, okay. But parents over a certain age, I grew up with boomer parents. They love this ride. My dad loves this ride. And he's he's boomer. Boomers remember the World's Fair. They remember this ride. And that's why they want to see it. But you know, we're not the only one who dislike this ride. Turns out that the executives at the Pepsi company hated the final attraction. There's I never a book, loved Pepsi more. There's a 1980 book called The Pavilion where it was published that Pepsi describes Small World as an embarrassment. <laughs> Pepsi for the win, folks. In 2008, they started doing a overlay in Disneyland, and, and they don't do this in Disney World for the same reason they don't do it in Haunted Mansion and Disney World. 
They do a holiday overlay where everything becomes themed. They don't do it in Disney World because they can't shut the ride down for the period of time. Let, let me just correct you on that. Oh. They can shut the ride down. They won't. <laughs> Tandy would be okay if they shut the ride down. And then in Disney World, you can see a sign that says goodbye with your name inserted because of the Magic Band technology. So if you pay... Now, it won't that's say new, everybody's right? name. That's new. Yeah, yeah, that's new. And that's only at Disney World. One other one other fact, and this is Pep- Pepsi related as well. So you can still find some of the shipping labels on the attraction that was shipped to California from New York. The reason everything was shipped, not just that they wanted to maintain everything, but Pepsi owed money to Disney after the World's Fair. So Pepsi didn't pay for everything. Apparently there was a debt there. So Walt agreed to forgive the debt if they paid to ship everything back to California for him to Disneyland. And they never removed the labels on some of the pieces as they set them up. Mm, Disney was like, better have my money. Well, I, you know, always a shrewd businessman, man. Exactly. The only other interesting fact that I have that's, I mean, it's pretty good one is in 2022 and 1964 recording of It's a Small World After All, that's the full title, performed by the Disneyland Boys Choir was selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the United States. National Recording Registry as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. I don't think it's the last one, but it could be culturally or historically. Yes, yes. All right, we want to talk about some ride facts. Before we do, did you find any hidden Mickeys? I found one, but I'm always iffy about my hidden Mickey research. (laughs) To me... I feel like since the ride has had... This was before Hidden Mickeys were really a thing. But I mean, the rides had some refurbishments. So I wonder, I am wondering if Disney keeps track of the amount of Hidden Mickeys they put in stuff, or at this point, is it just a free-for-all? So there's, there's one on the floor next to the Taj Mahal. There's one in the jungles of Africa that's shaped like a flower. That's what I had. On the vines, on the elephant's left side. And Um, then does it vary between, you know, is that Disneyland, Disney World? Is it both parks? They're all different, so it has to vary because they're completely different in length. And they're different set up country-wise, too. So the countries aren't always in the same... Correct. In the same order, depending on what park you're at. I don't remember seeing a whole bunch in that ride. And that would be a great place to put them. So maybe for their next refurbishment, they should put some hidden Mickeys in there. You should put a bunch of hidden Mickeys in there. And replace the song. And give an option to change the music, (laughs) turn the music. I like how that was both where we went. (laughs) All right. I think it's that time of the episode that I really enjoy data. Tandy's favorite part. So the length of the ride, and I just have Walt Disney World Disneyland. I didn't pull all the parks. So at Disneyland, it is 15 bleeping minutes long. That's what I found too. Holy cow. 13 to 15. So yeah, I don't, I don't, how do you get the 13? Do you sign up for that when you get in line? (laughs) You get no one behind you. Hey, and you know what? You, you get it longer than 15 minutes if you're lucky enough to get stuck on the ride. So this is my fear, everyone. So I am a fan of getting on there for the AC. I am terrified of getting stuck on that ride. So Walt Disney World runs anywhere from 10 to 12 minutes, about 10.5 is the average. Historical average wait time for this ride is 25 minutes. The record high, hold on to your hat, 150 minutes for this ride. That is two and a half hours. And that is two and a half hours too long. That's 10 minutes. Less than two and a half hours, Jess. (laughs) Well, still, I'm rounding. The wait time trends last month were an average of 20 minutes. The maximum was 45. The minimum was five. Let's be honest, the minimum was really zero. Disney just posted five. So I saw best time to ride was 9, 12, 15, and 6.55. It's good to ride anytime. So downtime, as a reminder on downtime, it's ba- it's we get it from thrilldata.com. It bases this ride on not having a posted wait time for over 10 minutes. So if it's down for over 10 minutes, the average is 40 minutes on this ride. Wow. That means that this ride breaks down a lot, people. 
So what I found, and as I mentioned, it is my fear when I get on this ride that I'm going to get stuck stuck on on it. it. So what's interesting is every time this ride has downtime, it makes national news. As recent as August 3rd of 2022, Fox News reported Disney guests stuck on It's a Small World for over an hour, (laughs) colon, torture. Yeah, well, because people post on social media. Yep. Yeah, I don't hear about pirates breaking down. <laughs> so I don't understand because it's the same damn ride system. So it's got to be something with the, with how many animatronics are in there. Or maybe the turns. Now, we didn't talk about this. I don't think we hit on this in Fun Facts, but there's 240 handcrafted figures in there. And then when you do the animals, it's really about upwards of 300 animatronics. There's a lot in there. So I don't know if they consider that a breakdown because this this ride can't break down for weather. Like it's it's it, it bogs my mind. I don't know. Because man, and uh, pirates. I want to say the average was ten minutes on, the, which means that they're not they're not broken down that often. You know what? If a doll breaks down on that ride, you can keep the boat you can going. Keep going. I'm good. No one cares. There's other dolls to look <laughs> I'm at. Good. There's, I mean, there, there's 299 other dolls to look at, guys. I, I could sing what the dolls are gonna sing. I could make up <laughs> stories. I don't need the music. Please don't sing. <laughs> Capacity on the ride is 2,000 people per hour. The boats are five rows holding two to four people per row. So that's about 10 to 20 people per boat. The boats are basically constantly moving. So that's a lot of people. I think it's like pirates too. It just depends on size. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Weight of people. hundred percent. Where they're going to sit. I'm still trying to figure out how the hell my dad got in the boat. I was talking to him about that when I saw them recently and he's like, oh, the boat was plenty big enough. I was like, no way. No how. My dad is six, three, by the way. Going to so let's talk about Genie Plus. Is this ride available? Who cares? <laughs> Thanks, Dandy. Yes, it is available. Is it a paid individual attraction selection? Seriously, no. who is paying for this? <laughs> Should you use Genie Plus for this? Immediately Hell no. no. Immediately no. By the way, All Ears did a video <laughs> where they had Genie Plus. They had to listen to the Genie, and the stupid Genie told them they had to wait until 9.30 to go on their first ride. And it was It's a Small World. Guys, there is no line for It's a Small World ever. The longest I've ever seen the line legit is like 10 minutes. Yeah. I don't know what this 45-minute BS is. That's like if you're going on the 4th of July. Expect if you're going on a holiday day when everybody else is off work and they all want to do something fun that you're going to be waiting in line. Yep. All right. Let's talk about some ratings. Ride overall. One. Wow, Tandy. (laughs) Cold-blooded. I gave it a three. You're generous. I I have a little bit of nostalgia attached to this ride. I've got nostalgia, too. My nostalgia is a one. Thrill factor? One. One. (laughs) Fun factor? One. (laughs) <laughs> I gave it a three. It's, if the music wasn't so annoying, so annoyance factor, Tandy. <laughs> <laughs> 30 billion. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Is it a rope drop ride, Tandy? Immediately, no. Well, here's the thing. This is not a rope drop ride for a multitude of reasons. Well, so I put this is definitely 110% in the emotional rope drop ride category. This is, this is such an emotional rope drop. I'm sorry. Why are you going on this ride first? Because you're my this mom. This is a great. Okay, you're okay. Five four Irish woman who will always <laughs> ride this ride. You're dragging your mom on Jungle Cruise and then pirates because that's what you do. But that she is what to, you do. She, okay, she'll agree with me. She'll agree with me on that. Yeah, I'm sorry if you're going toward adventure. Well, that's not an Adventureland. Never mind. But if you, you don't, you don't rope drop this ride. It's not anywhere near yeah. an entrance. There's no reason to rope drop this ride. Rational individuals will look at you sideways if you suggest this is the first this, ride. They're, they're, so, so Genie Plus is getting sideways. Even looks. if you, even if this is a ride, is a must do for you, dude. There is no reason to rope drop this ride. You can get it with no weight. Several times during yeah. the, I feel like we, you didn't ride it with us when we went. That's right. You didn't go with us the first time. We walked on. 
And that was in the middle of the damn day. Yeah. It, we legally, yep. we literally got on to get out of, get out of the heat. You know what this ride is good for? This ride is good for, I just had an amazing lunch somewhere and I need to sit for 15 minutes and, and digest a little bit. Yeah. I was going to say, sometimes you do just want to sit down for 10 to 15 minutes in the air conditioning, Especially but again, go on pirates. And apparent. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Go on pirates. Something. I will say on the ride overall, cause here's the thing. The song's problematic. I do appreciate the craftsmanship. It is beautiful to look at. It's just way too long to have to listen to that damn song. Yeah. I'm excited to go back to Disneyland and see the inclusion of the Disney characters. So I would enjoy going on the Disneyland ride because I've never ridden it. So I'd want to see how it's different. I've ridden, like this was a ride we rode every time I went. This is one of those rides. I think Peter Pan falls in this category for you. Yep. It definitely does for me where I, I know the ride. I know what's coming up next. And there is so much going on that it's probably not fair to say there's not anything new for me. But So I would be interested in riding Disneyland because I haven't ridden it before. So ride overall ranking. What did you give it, Jess? A two. Wow, I was a little more generous. So I gave it a three. Because if you, you it a three, a three, if you lined up all the rides at the Disney theme park across the world, mm-hmm. it would be definitely in the bottom five. It doesn't get a one because Hall of Presidents exists. <laughs> It doesn't get a two because Carousel of Progress exists. Oh, okay. okay. So you know what? I, you've convinced me. I'm bumping this up to a three because Carousel of Progress. But it's is... nowhere near some of the other Disney attractions today. So no, I it's gave not. it three creepy. It's a small world dolls for this ride. For, <laughs> and for all the smack that we talk, I mean, there is one caveat. You know, if you've never been to a Disney park before and you're going for the first time, you have to, by law, ride this ride. You you have to ride this ride because you need to get an understanding. So here's the thing about this ride. Walt was so involved. Yeah. Like, actually, it's interesting, all of the rides we've talked about, even though he didn't see Haunted Mansion come to fruition, he was heavily involved in all these rides. And this really does kind of hit all the points of what he wanted to hit in a ride. That's why you should go if you've never ridden it. Right. I just don't want to ride it ever again. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, okay, so it's not really by law that you have to ride it, but it is, as you know, you said it's, it's a rite of passage. Yep. hundred percent. At least one time. So closing 100%. thoughts. I have two. Oh, you do. Go, <laughs> go, you go. Okay. Well, so Mary Blair designed the stuff with the mindset of a little girl. Raleigh Crump kept saying that in yep. the behind the attraction. And I never connected with that. I never have. Every time I see those drawings, I just don't like them. That's interesting. Like, I love Mary Blair. Alice in Wonderland is one of my favorite. I like Alice in Wonderland, but I think the animation from Alice in Wonderland and animation from It's a Small World are two totally, different. Totally different things. Yeah. Um, absolutely, I'll agree with that. But I actually do really, really like the artwork from It's a Small World. I like that Mary Blair style. I do. Creepy as hell. It's, the dolls are creepy. It's creepy. But I, but I do appreciate it. So then my second closing thought was, you know, I looked at the song. I thought when we were going to research for this episode that I would uncover some hidden gems from the song itself. And I really didn't, but like rereading the song, you know, the message to convey is peace through understanding, right? That was the world's fairest theme. And to me, it doesn't prescribe any action. So even though we said we weren't going to play the song, I'm going to read the lyrics. (laughs) So the song goes, it's a world of laughter, a world of tears. It's a world of hopes and a world of fears. There's so much that we share that it's time we're aware. It's a small world after all, repeats three times. It's a small, small world. Second verse, there is just one moon and one golden sun and a smile means friendship to everyone. 
Though the mountains divide and the oceans are wide, it's a small world after all. Repeats three times. It's a small, small world. Okay, so that's the song. To me, when I read that, Mm -hmm. as me now in 2022, Mm -hmm. late 30s, that to me does not prescribe any action for peace through understanding. To me, what that says is there's one world and we should freaking take care of it because we're all in it together. We've only got one. What I was thinking through this is there's a future for Disney in every ride. They talk about, you know, how do we refurbish things and make things newer. I would say that Disney's next steps are probably to maybe encourage, I don't know, a message about climate change or, you know, the way the world is turning when it comes to politics, culture, et cetera. Yeah. Finding a way to communicate that through the ride, somehow keep this song. But, you know, <laughs> uh, what I like to put is turning something you hate into something you appreciate. And they always have sponsors. So sponsors for this ride are like Bank of America from opening until 1990 sponsored yep. the ride. Mattel yep. from 1992 to 99. And then Siemens from 2014 to 2017. Why couldn't you get some climate change supporters? I'll say that back in the day, you know, this ride came out after the Cuban Missile Crisis, after the assassination of JFK, and so peace through understanding was very important. It still is important today, but I don't think as important as you don't think it resonates with resonates as well generation. Yeah, as I mean, who uses TikToks? (laughs) Who's complaining about ride stoppage and torture (laughs) in TikToks? So I'm just saying, there's some opportunity I think there for Disney. No, I think it's a good point. I like that turning something you hate into something you appreciate. So resources for this episode: Wikipedia, behind the attraction, WaltDisney.org, Fox News, New York Post, WDWThemeParks.com, UndercoverTourist.com, TheKingdomInsider.com, InsiderMagic.com, Fandom. And on that note, there's uh, so much that we share, and it's time we're aware. It's a small world, after all. <laughs> If you liked today's episode of Into the Disneyverse, follow us on Instagram at Disneyverse Historians or on Facebook at Into the Disneyverse. The music in this episode was created by Skolex on freesound.org. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.